Let's drop the green flag on this episode of The Talent Tank Podcast with your host, Wyatt Pemberton, bringing you the best, fastest, most knowledgeable personalities in Ultra 4 and off-road racing. Hey, it's Wyatt. Yes, asking for your help. If you like the show and enjoy the content, please hit the five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. Please consider writing a quick review on the Talent Tank Facebook page, on YouTube, and absolutely on Apple Podcasts. And consider joining the discussions in the Talent Tank Insiders group on Facebook. All right, let's get to it. All right, here we go again. Another week, another installment. Today we have Cody Addington in the Talent Tank, filling it up. This guy is hot right now. Just came off a win at Nationals a couple days ago. This is going to be the first episode to air after that win. Pretty excited about that. Cody and I had talked earlier on in this venture about getting him on, and the stars align. Cody, congrats. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here with you, Wyatt. Man, how is the the high in your head right now? How high are you? Man, it's it's pretty good. I'm I'm pretty stoked. I mean, that was a that was a big win for us um, over the weekend. I was at a wedding in Kansas and wasn't able to watch the live stream for the 4400 race. And then I get a text and it's Cody won and Cody has the talent tank box for the interview. And I'm like cheering at this reception. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Cause we talked about getting you on and the stars just, they hadn't aligned yet. So, and they did, they did. Congrats. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that, the same thing kind of happened this weekend with our race. I mean, it uh everything came together and we we pulled off that win so yeah it was it wasn't an easy win for you you actually struggled from thursday on you had kind of a little bit of everything go wrong leading up to saturday yeah so um thursday we we got there early and wanted to get that test and tune practice time in and got got some laps in didn't have anything woke up friday morning and go out and do one lap and the front end's broken so you know that was a little nerve-wracking for us you broke in practice. I think you broke in qualifying. Then you broke in the first prelim. Were all three of those, or all of those, like front end issues? Well, we actually didn't break in the in the prelim. We broke the, the 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 in practice. It was the locker. So we just had fresh dips diffs, and somehow the locker let go. I'm guessing probably on that uphill. In qualifying, it was um, a front stub shaft that broke somehow in there. So that was a that was a lot of front end issues for the weekend that we had to take care of. And then in the main, the stars kind of aligned. What position did you start? In the main, I started seventh. All the fast guys are in front of you. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Where where was Lauren during all this? He started right in front of me. All right. And so we can now put this to bed because I was pretty hard on Lauren recently about you being a better driver in the dragon. <laughs> I thought it was funny. He, he thought it was he, funny he, too. He thought it was funny too. <laughs> no, it's, it's just a, how often do you get two guys of similar caliber in the same car and on similar tracks and to see them get to go head to head. I, I love Lauren. He's such a good dude and he's such a good sport, but yeah, to see, and I know he's very proud of you to see the successes that you're having with uh, with his old car. It's truly amazing. I think it's maybe even made, making him kick himself a little bit for letting it go down the road. Yeah, I mean, I know he's 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 happy for me. I mean, he wants to beat me just like he wants to beat everyone else. But, it, you know, he does have a little sweet spot for me. So 
that that's pretty cool. At the end of the race, he came up and bumped me <laughs> and then pulled up beside me and he was pretty ecstatic. So it was cool. You have to be as a competitor and certainly running in that circle. You guys are best friends right up until the green flag drops. Then uh, it's over. It's over until the, the checker flags out and then we can go back to being friends. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like him. I, I don't want to, I want to beat everyone on the track. I don't care if they're my friends or whoever. I, it's all the same. It's all another position and it's another person I want to be in front of. So, And you've developed a pretty good relationship with uh, the Gomez brothers. You can't count any of them out at any given time on or off the track. But they've uh, seems like they've kind of taken you under their wing for for some race support. Yeah, they're always helping. We we don't have a lot of support out there, but their guys always step in. I mean, borrow parts from them if we have to. They're they're funny to hang out with, and they're just all around good guys. And they're they're actually local to here, so you know we we have hung out sometimes outside of racing, and that's pretty cool, also. Well, I know we're certainly going to go into that and connect all the dots from your early early days of racing to where you are today, but to see you win this past weekend and you're not a, you're a big name driver. I put you there. you you have household recognition, but you're not a big, a big dollar driver. You're not a big sponsor driver. You prep out of your garage. You haul your rate, your car on a flatbed race trailer. You try to, you know, throw a pop-up or easy up. If it's raining, it's wet. That's you are, uh, you know, you're out of a little toolbox out of the bed of a pickup truck and you're killing it. You're beating all of them right now. You're on top of the world. Yeah, it, it definitely feels good. And that's, that's pretty much how it goes. I mean, I have a cab over camper that I just upgraded, you know, for me, upgraded is kind of funny. It, everything finally works. We get hot showers. I mean, those little things <laughs> as, as silly as they seem to some teams are, are really big for us. So it's cool. There was a saying, or it was a meme or something that was circulating social media for a long time. And and I, I looked for it today before we had this and I so that I could get it right and I never found it, but it was somewhere some guy is you know loading his race car into his stacker trailer with his toter home and he's opening his fridge and pulling out his his beer and cracking one open and talking about how tough racing is and how expensive it is and how you know the just the cost of it and everything. And then next to him is the guy in the standard cab pickup truck with his flatbed and his, his tools are in a bucket and he's loading his car on. He's pulling his beer out of his, uh, his ice chest that all the ice is almost melted because it's the, you know, the end of race weekend. And they both have the same, the same outlook. You know, they're both still smiling and they're both still complaining about the cost of racing. Oh yeah. We still have the, and we still, and they all have the same goal also is to go out there and be competitive. Congratulations again on your win. I'm so ecstatic that uh, that just sets off the tone. But to get this going, we want to talk about who Cody is, where Cody came from, how he got to where he is today. The first time I remember recognizing you and your name and what you were was you had this little Toyota pickup truck. It was like the the little the the little choo choo train that could, and roughly 2012 KOH and the EMC and you winning that right. No, I didn't actually win the MC. We just went out there and signed up. I think, I don't even remember what I got, seventh or something like that. But that was to my point, was no one remembers who won that race, but everybody remembers that Toyota truck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. They still have that truck. It's sitting outside right now because the shop's been full of stuff and getting prep going, so it's got under a tarp, but it's still here and I'm keeping that truck forever. 
And I know there's a lot of people that don't recognize that you, as this driver of uh, this really amazing Jimmy's car now today, and just having won nationals, that you're the same guy that was in that truck five, six years ago. It's just... And I still am in that truck. I go four-wheeling all the time in that truck. So, And it's still KOH tagged and virtually ready to race again. Right. Well, let's let's dive into you, though. So, Cody, you, uh, you're from Auburn, California, but you live in Forest Hills now, right? Yeah, that's about, they're about 15 minutes away. I mean, I've lived in the, the foothills here my whole life, you know, within about 30 minutes from each other. So, went to Colfax High, pretty much. It's, you know, one canyon away. We're all separated by one canyon, pretty much. There's a lot of rivers and stuff here. So, real close together my whole life. Yeah, so that made it for a short commute home from the race this weekend. I think there's guys still coming back to Texas now, like, <laughs> like Miller Motorsports, they're not even coming back. They're going straight to the hammers to tune, test and tune for a week just to make the most out of their three-day drive out west. And you had to drive 75 miles. Yeah, it's definitely nice. There's, there's some jealousy. There's some jealousy there on that. So did you, uh, did you wheel as a kid or how did you get into off-road outdoors? I mean, always outdoors. Didn't really wheel. We had, uh, grew up, um, we had five acres, had a, one ten three wheelers that we just beat the heck out of day in day out and through the night days and nights you know for years and years so that 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 was always fun for me i think you and jt taylor have that in common jt taylor was a, a three-wheeler racer growing up like death machines yeah i've never really got into any racing i mean i had dirt bikes too uh the the main thing i started getting competitive with was i was probably about 12 i started racing bmx and and fairly competitive did some national circuits and stuff never like big sponsored but you know i'm I'm aggressive and competitive so i put a lot of time into that also and had a lot of fun and a lot of success also and anyone that hasn't seen cody in person like i I actually only just recently met you a couple years ago in oklahoma and i didn't realize how big a guy you are you're were you are you six four no i'm six one Oh, I, I do like beer that, that got me a little bigger, you know, some of those, some of those heavy IPAs nowadays, but, uh, that, but that didn't equal it in height though. But then you, had, <laughs> but you know, you're a working man, you're a blue collar guy. And so you got, you know, your work boots on with a probably about a two inch work heel on it. I, all I know is I'm about six foot and I you know I'm standing next to you and I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and I'm like, man, you're a lot bigger than I like. I, I really imagined. <laughs> and then you looked at me and you're like, you're like, Hey, I'm Cody. And I was like, Man, I know who you are. I just, yeah, uh, I had yeah we talked for a while out there in Oklahoma. That was cool. Yeah, that was Davis. Yeah, that was that was a good event. You had a good, you had a good showing that race too. Well, that we actually ended up breaking on the last lap. I was physically leading that race, and I I hit a a rock, and it just spun up perfectly. It was wasn't even a section where there was anything, and it busted the rear drive line. So limped it back. Ended up finishing the race, but we were we were charging hard. That was the second race in the Dragon. But that was the first race that it was orange. Yeah, I kind of, I did that and never posted anything. I did some like a teaser post in black and white, just, you know, so people would be like, what's he doing with this thing? I love it. We're slowly getting, you know, on and off topic. I, I, I like it. So you're six foot one, you're, but you're a physical dude. You play football or baseball or anything like that in, in school? No, I did, I did soccer. I like that, but I, I'm not really a team sports guy. I just, I don't, I don't like people telling me what to do when I have to do it. I'll do it on my own and I'll do it to my best ability, but I don't like that whole, 
you know, you got to be here from this time to that time. And that kind of stuff just really isn't my, my style. Doesn't work for you. Nah. So, so after, uh, after high school, where, what was your path? Oh man, I didn't really know. I, uh, I went to community college for a few years just to, you know, keep with the school program. I did get some associate's degrees and believe it or not, accounting and some other stuff and business administration. And that whole time I was working construction because it always, you know, it paid fairly decent, worked in a machine shop for a little bit, but, and then I was like, I can't be in a desk all day. This, this isn't me. <laughs> I hear this out of so many guys that are, that are races. They're, they're not desk folk. No, it's just, I mean, even sitting here for an hour is hard for me. <laughs> an hour? I, you know, we'll probably be talking for two. We'll see. Okay, well, two, <laughs> whatever it takes. <laughs> like, hey, uh, I need to take a break. I need to go use the restroom, and then you just never come back. That's... I'll be bouncing around the house. Oh, man. So you have, a, you, have a, you have your own construction company today, though, and that's what you ultimately are. You work for yourself. You have your own own business. Yep. I, uh, I'm a small general contractor, just myself and subcontractors, but no employees or anything like that. And then when you do have subcontractors, you just 1099 them. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They're all they're I use all the same people. I mean, I base my stuff on, on quality. So if they treat me good and their works good, then I, I reuse them all the time. That, that works. That's the same kind of model here. I know I've had these conversations with guys like Casey Gilbert. He's also in the world where, you know, they have labor issues. You know, they have labor issues where they're at. I'm, you know, I'm in Houston. I don't really have labor issues. We have a very deep labor pool that's, <laughs> that's uh, economical for the most part. And yeah. I think that's probably fairly similar to the California area. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but it, it really is hard to get any, you know, kids nowadays that want to actually show up to work. And I mean, kids younger, you know, early 20s. When I was, when I was getting out there, I wanted to go to work. I had to go to work. <laughs> well, that, no, that's exactly the conversation is it is very hard to find skilled labor today and you need to support the trades. Everyone needs to support the trades, but they're not there. It's when I said cheap, you know, economical labor, it's not skilled labor. It's if you need them to, to dig a ditch, they can dig a ditch, but you wouldn't have them that same guy do the trim on your house. No, def definitely not. I mean, I got a kid that helps me every now and again and He's eager to learn and, and is, a, is, a, is there when he says he's going to be there. But for the most part, it's just me. Yeah, some of the paint crews that I've seen, they can paint a room or paint a house or whatever and never use a piece of tape. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like, look at the, on the straight edges that they pull off. You're like, man, that is a skill. That is such a skill. That's why we're paying them what we're paying them because they can pull that off. But those guys are few and far between. There's getting to be fewer and fewer and fewer of them. I feel the pain that you're probably that you face when uh, looking for people to subcontract for you. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's a trade that's never going away. I mean, everyone always has to have a house over their head. So, I mean, wood rots. It keeps me in business, you know. What do you think the solution is? Oh, man, I don't know. It's probably more trade schools or something or just instill more values in your kids and, and make them want to do something that helps other people. I mean, because I... You know, I'm, I'm in people's houses and I want their vision to come to reality through my work. And that's always hard. That is always hard managing expectations. Yeah. I mean, I deal with every kind of person. I mean, you know, not all of my customers are, are uh, perfect to, to deal with, but at the end of the day, I get their job done and, and move on. 
right? So you've done that now for 10 years-ish? Um, I probably had my general contractor's license for 10 or 12 years and kind of did handyman stuff before that. So, I mean, I've been in the trade for as long as I started doing it in junior year in high school. And what are you known for? Like bread and butter, I come to Cody Addington for what bread and butter? Most of my stuff's... Um, I like to do, I do a lot of bathrooms, high-end bathrooms. I mean, you know, all tile, custom cabinetry. It's kind of a good gig for me. It's always there. They're always needing to be upgraded. Kind of just my customers see their friends, you know, their friends see, and they just keep referring me. So, I mean, I think one year I, you know, did like seven bathrooms. So that was, a, that was pretty good for me. Oh, very, very nice. And word of mouth huge. Yeah. I mean, we're talking full on guts. There's a, a town called Granite Bay pretty close to here and there's there's quite a bit of money there and, and people like to have nice houses and nice stuff. So Yeah, whatever affords you to keep racing, right? <laughs> I don't know about affords me, but it somehow keeps me out there. Right. What in this window or where in this window did you get involved outside? Like with Oh, I say get outside, like uh get involved with, with wheeling. I'm assuming you were a Rubicon guy. Yep. Yeah, I just uh, I had some buddies that did it, and I, I bought a Toyota when I was like, the same Toyota. It's the only first four-wheel drive I ever had. I bought that just kind of on a whim. My buddies had like a Jeep, and they were starting to get into stuff. I'm like, let's see what we can do with this thing. What, about what year was that? That was like in 2000, 2001. So, yeah, you're rolling. We're about coming up on 20 years on that bad boy. Yeah, I mean, I... I actually bought a I bought a Ford Explorer from the, our auto shop class. People would donate cars, and they'd they'd sell, resell them for um, for to put back into the school program. So I bought that thing for thirteen hundred and put a couple things into it and flipped it for twenty six hundred, and that's what actually afforded me to buy my Toyota pickup. See, I totally missed the questions on that. Like, where did you learn your ability to to wrench? I should have uh, gone there. Like, I didn't know if it was normally I would have asked, is it your father, grandfather or family member or was it school? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm I'm hands on. It's you know, I did take auto shop and I was a T.A. there and I learned a lot. My teacher was great. Uh, but for me, it's mostly just learning how taking something apart, putting it back together hands on wise rather than, you know, reading a book or anything like that. I'm obviously really hands on doing construction and wrenching on this car. So. Well, I think that proves itself on the track. I mean, when you see guys that, and no knock on them, I mean, they're still getting out there, but the difference in a guy that builds their car or does all their own prep, and you see that come out on the track because th these things, they don't stay together. They they break and they, they break hard and they break differently every single time. So it's always dynamic. And the problem solving of we're going to, you know, we have a plan, we're going to run this plan until it fails, and then we're going to come up with a new plan, and then we're going to run that plan until it fails. And that's, uh, you're very good at that, very good at triaging your vehicle. The guys that are very successful are the ones that know the insides and outsides of their car, every nut, every bolt. Yep. And I know that you're a guy that does and knows everything about your car at this point. And again, it proved itself this past weekend. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a, it's a learning, learning curve though. I've never, I never pulled a CV apart. I never had an IFS car. I asked, you know, Lauren still talks to me and, you know, gives me ideas on stuff, but I kind of just looked at it and said, okay, I can do this. I'm going to do it exactly how he did it because his program worked. But I'm like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on in these CVs. Yeah. So I heard that you're like one of the only guys that I've ever come across that actually likes CV grease. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Likes it all over the freaking shop. 
It is. It's the worst thing under the sun. It's it's. I think it's worse than NICs. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> total crap. Yeah. So do you have it down to where you can pull down a, a side pretty quick? Yeah, I like to, in between, like from now to hammers, they'll completely get inspected and, and pulled all the way down to nothing. It's not It's not necessarily hard. There's, there's a lot of moving parts in those, and you just got to keep track of everything and make sure you get new boots and band it, right? Because you don't want to lose a CV. If you lose a CV, you're going to be done. Yeah, that's it. That's all she wrote. I mean, a CV, even a CV boot comes off in a short race, it would probably live a long race. It's done. It'll seize itself right up. No, absolutely. So back to rock crawling. I, like I said, I'm, I'm really good about tangents and getting there. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, that's how my mind works too, though. So I get a, a question. I'm like, oh man, I want to, I want to answer to that and I won't remember to re-ask it in the future. So yeah. Sorry everybody for the Tourette's on that and your little schizophrenia. You've got your Toyota. You got it early on, let's call that 2000, 2001. You got it by flipping a, a Ford Explorer. Learned a little auto shop, a little wrenching. Did you, did you learn how to weld there? Um, not, in, not there. No, but I did have another metal shop class where I learned how to weld. So See, I, knew, I didn't know if you welded, but I had to know you welded. You, <laughs> but I am, I am definitely not a fabricator. I don't, I don't even weld on my own car here. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not a fabricator. I, I, I'm lucky to have a, a good buddy up the street who's the head guy for a shop in town. So he comes down and welds for me. I can, but I'm not as good as him. Hey, you know your strengths and weaknesses, right? And that's the, that's the whole part of a team. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome. So you ran this Toyota, lots of weekends on the con, lots of uh, messing around. At what point did you decide that you would be uh, do something competitive? What was the, the catalyst to make it? turn competitive for you i mean back we did some local events there was like uh, an event called rocking for the kids and some other stuff and i just have always been competitive with everything i do so i i did some of those and then i i see this thing pop up where they you know oh look the everyman challenge king of the hammers kind of just woke up one morning and said i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna make this happen that was 2012 yeah so i i spent about I spent about six months prepping that truck and getting it legal because there was a lot of stuff to do from a rock collar to a, you know, a quote unquote race car. What was your number in that? Like uh, 4680. 4680. Yep. I, see, this is the part where of the interview where I'm totally off of memory because we did this on such short order. I didn't have good notes. I didn't do great research. And then we're going to see how well my editing job is between now and next Monday when it comes out. I feel like. Man, he didn't edit. That, that, that was terrible. That was a terrible interview. They so. <laughs> ah, be good. I think it's good. I think uh, you're 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 so charismatic. I think it's going to carry carry us anyway. It's certainly not going to be my char- charisma. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to do outside of working in the shop on your car? Like the, I just started uh, getting back into my motorcycle. I've only taken it out once in a, quite a few years because of racing, but. My girlfriend got her son a bike. We took I took him out like two weekends ago, so I'd like to do that some more. You know, there's a lot of stuff to do around here. We like going to the river and stuff like that. And so you've been, you know, this is now we're going definitely personal side. You've uh, you've got a girlfriend, season, seasons, yeah, seasons, seasons. Yeah, I would get that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the first time somebody told me that your girlfriend's name was seasons, I was like, no, like really, like seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I certainly used to get that as a kid about my name because it was not common. And now it's actually fairly common, but yeah. So, and she has a 13 year old son. Yep. Yep. He's a big, he's a big boy. If you think I'm big, he's bigger than me. and He's 13. Do you have him helping you out? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. He likes to. Sometimes it's hard in the shop for me to. I do most of it, so the delegating part's hard. But he does help me out whenever I need help, and he he's a good kid. Greasing CVs, especially, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> he he has about... had some of that on his pants, though. Yeah, those are ruined. Yeah, C- completely. That is very cool. Like growing up for myself, you know, my father wasn't a big wrench. He did projects and stuff, but I kind of learned uh, out of necessity. Like I like to go mudding with my buddies and it would be in a, a farm truck, a hay truck. And yeah, well, if I broke it, I had to figure out how to fix it. And so it was <laughs> that whole throw your hat over the fence and now you got to go get it. So it'd be like, okay, if I break this, what can I do to learn to fix it? So that's, that was where I learned, you know, how to fix lockouts and how to, how to fix broken axles and how to, you know, weld up diffs, thing, things along those lines. So I think it's very cool that you have, uh, or that he has somebody in his life that, you're able to to teach him some of those things that a lot of people some take just take simply for granted, and then a lot of us are you know we've learned it through trial and error, and it tends to be a lot of error. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely is. Uh, that's just how it goes though, and you just have to learn from those errors. And speaking back of season, so I was at this wedding on Saturday, and I wasn't able to watch the 4400 race. And I told you this before, pre-interview. And it was, I was at this wedding, wasn't able to watch any of the live stuff. So I text a couple people and said, you know, please text me and let me know who wins 4,400 so that they could, you know, get this interview kit over to whoever it was. And I received notice that it's Cody Addington wins. I'm like cheering. Well, not five seconds later, I get a text of, it's a picture and it's seasons holding the talent tank Pelican case box. And it almost like, it made me like kind of cheer to myself. Like it was really just for protection, for shipping of the, the camera and the mic, but the, it was being used almost like a, like a secondary trophy. And I'm like, wow, maybe I've, this whole thing has ascended to a level. Like I hadn't, I guess I hadn't pondered. So <laughs> it really Saturday night seasons picture. It went through a, a few people texts before it got to me and it gets to me. And I was just like, I was ear to ear grins, like so happy for you, but so happy that you were happy to do something with me. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Cause I'm standing there holding the trophy. She's holding that thing. And she's like, what is this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Can you just make sure it's secure? <laughs> yeah. And then we talked, uh, we talked late yesterday and then somehow we're able to make today happen. 2012. So you worked for the last six months of 2011, getting ready for the 2012 EMC you're in the 4,600 class and go. So in between that time, so I prepped the, prepped the truck, built it, you know, really simple. I did the work on that. I did the welding on that. Um, so there's some funky stuff. I've, I, you know, I do a little bit of stuff with square tube because I understand that more. It's more like a piece of wood. Prep the truck, talking to my buddies. We were actually at the bar one night and we go, hey, uh, you know, the, the truck's going to be prepped for 4,600. Why don't we try LCQ and see what happens. I mean, we're already going to be there. So we actually did sign up at the bar that night for LCQ for the big race. I love it. I mean, that is the the epitome of the, the, the whole analogy I just used about you throw your hat over the fence and now it's time to go get your hat. I think my cousin even paid like, uh, he's like, I'll throw in a hundred bucks. I think a few people like, we'll throw in, we'll throw in. It's like, let's do it. And so you guys did, you guys threw your hat over the fence and then you spent the next six months going to go get it. Yep. And I, you show up in Johnson Valley. Had you been to the hammers before? Um, yeah, my, my buddy, Justin, that kind of got me into this. He had a bachelor party there. We went down there a few times, but I never had wheeled my Toyota out there. I took my dirt bike, kind of cruised around. So 
Had you been there for uh, KOH? Yeah, I've been going to, to KOH since 2009, and I actually have a pretty good story about that, too, whenever you want to go to that. Now works. So I uh, got, you know, the same buddies, Dusty, Justin. They're like, hey, you know, we knew about it, obviously. We were rock crawlers and all that. So, hey, let's go down there. And, you know, just keep hearing about the wind and the wind and, the, you know, the wind. And I wanted to bring my dirt bike. So I had a little 92 Toyota pickup. Being a contractor, I built a little plywood camper shell out of wood at the house and put it put it flat in the back of the truck, put my dirt bike in, packed all my crap. And that's actually what I slept in out there that week. That is awesome. It was it was windy, so it helped. Yeah, oh nine oh nine was so much fun though. It was still this was before the the infield or the short course infield or whatever. This was it was a drag strip. Yep. And everyone backed their race trailers up to the this drag strip, opened the backs of their trailers, and there was uh, basically two lines headed out of uh, what would become Hammertown. It was so much smaller then. You know, it was yeah. And and then there wasn't there wasn't street addresses. You weren't at like four hundred one spider tracks. It was well, no jumps or anything. <laughs> no, yeah, man, that uh, God, it's it's come a long ways, hasn't it? Oh yeah, I've been every single year since then. So oh, that's that's impressive. Yeah, I, I, I've missed a few, sadly, but I mean that's life and kids and yeah. And my birthday is February eighth, so I've raced on my birthday. I'm out there every. Every year, it seems to be the first week of February, so. What a great birthday present to be there. Yeah, for sure. Well, maybe, maybe this year you're going to, you know, get a scepter on your birthday. I'd love that. That'd be all right. <laughs> That'd be an all right present. Yeah. So, you're, uh, you, you guys have thrown your hat over this uh, proverbial wall, and you're now in the sense seeking to recover it, and you show up in the Hammers. This is February of 2012. Uh-huh. EMC. EMC. You start the race. Yeah, went good. Um, finished. We didn't have any issues. I think this was this was when the EMC was the week before. It was like on a Sunday or something. It wasn't. It was kind of not like set up like it is now, where everything's real tight in there. That the racing is. It was almost a full week before when the when the EMC race was. Did you have any idea during that week? You know, after that race, the cult hero status you had kind of reached outside of Hammertown. Yeah, it, it got pretty big after the the EMC and then we rolled that into the LCQ and then the big race. It it was all it was worldwide publicity about this guy in this damn Toyota pickup truck driving around the course, you know. And it was it was like the little engine that could. You just absolutely you just killed it though. It was like they just kept discussing on you know and the live feed was very different then, but it was uh you know chat rooms and pictures and people like Dude, this Toyota, he's still he's still going. And then he's on Wrecking Ball. Then he's on... Yeah. I mean, it was like on Jalopnik, which is a international publication. And, you know, that was Pirate 4x4 days. My Pirate 4x4, you know, messengers going off. And it, it was definitely pretty cool. And then after that year, I, I say after that year, but I mean, like, after you leave Hammers that, that year, you, you're rocking a, I don't know, you finished about seventh, I think is about where you finished that year. In the EMC, and then the big race, we actually raced and finished just over time, but we were, I was driving for 13 hours that day. And that was, I think, where it really just sealed the the ridiculousness of it was that you did. You did finish that year, but it was out of time. Yeah. I mean, in between all this, from the EMC to the big race, I called Dave and I said, we're signing up for LCQ. What, you know, should I just run these 35s or should I bring the 40s I have? And he's like, oh, I'll bring the big tires, so. 
pretty much all we did was slapped a set of IROCs on it, which no one had ever heard of racing on an IROC. But you did it though, and you yeah. did well, and you finished. I mean, uh, there are people that have gone, you know, ten years in, of racing KOH and still don't have the finish, and you did in a, in a stock Toyota for the most yeah. part. Leaf sprung carbureted. How did that viralness set up your plans and where you were at mentally about going forward with uh, this genre? You know, I didn't really ever even think about it that much that that way. I I did go after sponsors and try to get me to to help stay behind me. Obviously, that was the time, but I never really had a a big plan. I'm not much into like you know this is exactly what I'm going to do. I kind of was just winging it. There's a lot of people that just wing it. You're just at least honest about saying you're winging it. A lot of people are winging it and they're like, oh, we got all these big plants. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's different now where I'm committed to a series and a whole, and a whole, uh, you know, King of the Hammers and a Nationals race. But then it was just like, we'll go to what we can go to and see what happens. And I, I actually kind of see that when the little bit of cursory searching around, I was looking for just a little bit of details, but like on Ultra 4, your driver profile, man, son, you need some work. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you got, you got yeah. your name right. And uh, I think your Instagram handle and your number, and that's it. Oh, there should be the car and stuff on there. I kept it kind of updated. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's sparse. It's there. Yeah, you, you hit the bare minimum. We got a website and stuff now, so maybe that'll I'll put that on there. Yeah, I saw that, and I see. Yeah, <laughs> all I know is you know, being friends with like Miles, Miles Hausikast. He's hardcore as far as trying to stay fully informed. So he's always making sure that he's reading the driver profiles. He's trying to follow social media. And then he gets to like Cody Addington's driver profile. And he's like, well, good thing I know this guy because he has nothing on here. Yeah, for sure. I didn't, I didn't realize I'll have to take a look at that. I mean, that's part, that's part of just me. It's, you know, I'm, I'm spread thin at some points and the, the sitting on the computer stuff isn't really such my gig. You know, I figured that out from you just setting up for this. We had, uh, you know, some hiccups, but hey, we, we're still pulling it off. Oh, yeah. We're here. So you stayed in that Toyota for another couple of years before starting to build with uh, Dan Trout over at Fishmouth Fabworks. You busted out a, a solid axle car. Yeah, for sure. So I, uh, I, I talked to Dan once at Jamboree in 2012 and talked to him quite a bit. And he, he's, he's a great guy. He's definitely built that car for me at a very, very friendly rate I could handle. And, and that's kind of what started it is I, I, I struggled to build it, but somehow we got it done. Yeah. Dan is a wonderful, amazing fabricator, but wonderful individual. He's a good guy to know. And I think, yeah. I think when you look around ultra four, there's lots of those and people that listen to this show will hear me say how many people are nice people or good people to know, man, it's ridiculous. It's, there's a lot of them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he knew the story of the Toyota stuff and that that helped him just realize that I do like this stuff and I do want to continue it. And the, the other thing that worked out really well is he's just on the other side of the canyon, you know, 40 minutes from us. I mean, as the crow flies, it's five miles, but you have to go down across the river and back up the canyon. So that uh, that helped a lot with me going up there at nights and, you know, weekends and, and helping. I mean, even if I got to clean his shop floor, I would do that. Hey, you do what you got to do. And which is what you've done. You've continued to do that. I mean, like I said, you're, you prep your one man prep show. You've got some, a couple good friends that help you. You've got some people that have shown up on the scene and offered help to you for this show. I've get a lot of advice. I bounce a lot of stuff off of Shannon Welch. I know she's had lots of, you know, work with you and talk with you and 
Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really kind of inspiring the people that have jumped in that have done stuff with you and, and gotten involved. Like they were sitting, let's say like on the sidelines and they want to be involved in ultra four. They want to be involved in off-road racing and they found, they found you to be the avenue to, to get behind him and, and be with us. Like you've got a guy named Robert Mansfield. You have a shout out to Robert. Robert supplied me with uh, pictures for you for, for this interview. Provide a, he provide a whole bunch of information about your background for just like certainly just the 2019 stuff. But what I found really cool about Robert's story was he wanted to be involved. He comes across to you. He starts, you know, reaching out and you were kind of closed, closed off about it. Like, I don't know. And I don't know if I, I just, should... that's weird for me. I don't know. It's, it's just something different. I, it's hard for me to go like, Oh yeah, I can't really provide you with anything. I mean, I, of course I love the help and I need the help, but I just, at first, you know, it's, I'm a little skeptical with stuff. So I was like, who is this guy? You know, what's he want out of me is kind of what I thought. Some, you know, you think that in the back of your head, like, what's but the angle? He's just, yeah. What's the angle? Exactly. It's, he's just genuinely a good dude wanting to help a fellow racer be involved, be at the races. I mean, he, has access to all my social media accounts and all that. And he's, he's posting right now. <laughs> and at some point he cracked the code, right? He did. He cracked the code. He got in. He's uh, yeah. he's now a, let's call it a, a Cody Addington insider. Yeah. It's, and it's awesome. I mean, he, he ha- has helped a lot. Like I can't, I don't have time to be posting while I'm at the races, but it's huge for our fans to see stuff while we're at the races when they're not there. With the lack of the live feed this past year, yes, it's fully on, it's fallen on the racers. And we've, you know, it's been brought up in multiple shows so far, but like Levi surely live streaming out of his race car. Yeah. That is this next level of making and ensuring that your sponsors, your partners, and the fans have access to what you're doing and not relying on, you know, Dave Cole or Hammer King or the promoter to get that, to give you that avenue or access it's the okay well there's no live feed well i'm gonna do this this and this to make sure that i still continue to share my story i want my story out there yeah i mean robert was doing live feeds from the from the races also so that that was pretty cool and it was it was getting more interest than just my fans so like i said it's you're you have some very good fans that's a lot of people have gotten behind you like i said you riding this cult wave status all the way back from 2012 through now and then you show up with a guy named Lauren Healy. Lauren has a car, the Red Dragon, quite a famous car, maybe still, and I think as Lauren and I talked about it, it was the winningest 4,400 car out there. We, we never fact-checked to see if there's some EMCs or some 45 or 4,800s that maybe you're more winning. But it's a winning car. <laughs> yeah, way. yeah. In any way you want to slice and dice it, yeah. it's winning. So Lauren was trying to sell the Red Dragon for a while. I, again, I don't know why he wanted to move on to something else, but that is Lauren. He's always looking to build a better mousetrap. And he talked to you and talked to you and he talked you into this. Yeah, more or less. I mean, I, the, the straight axle car I kept for a few years and I kind of just got to the point with that car where it just wasn't allowing me to be the driver I felt I could. And I was just, Felt like it was time to move on. I, I didn't have a plan when I sold it. I sold it and I was going to rebuild the deck on my house and put some money in a savings account. And that, that didn't really last very long, as you can see. Yeah, Lauren smelled that out. You know, he's, he's, good, <laughs> he's good like that. No, but when the word word trickled out about you 
were the new owner of the Red Dragon, I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of people that were super ecstatic about what the future held for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, I told, you know, a handful of people, my friends and stuff knew. I did a little teaser here. I had a, you know, the empty flatbed trailer and said, I'm heading to, heading to Stampede with this trailer. And then I show up and, you know, a few photographers knew about it. And it just, then it went onto the social media and people were just like, holy crap, how did this guy pull that off? No, it was amazing though. And you, and you, that first event that you raced it, you raced it still was in total Lauren Healy livery. Yeah. I mean, and that was, I didn't have any time to redo anything, but that was somewhat strategy. He's got the best sponsors in the sport. I mean, he's earned his keep and he's like, Hey, maybe this guy can drive the car too. And we might want to, you know, keep the name on the car. And truth be told you did. Yeah. Yeah. And we got, uh, we got Nitto out of that deal. So that was great. And Nitto is, I mean, in Ultraforce, certainly they're a company, they're a tire company and they're in business. But from the perspective of them and your program, you couldn't race without Nitto. No, I mean, the tires are our biggest consumable and they're expensive. So, and it's not just the, the cost of the tire. It's you got to have a good tire in this sport. If you're not, you're just wasting your money. I mean, you, you, you spend all the money on prep and if you just go out there and blow tires every time. You're throwing your money out the window. Absolutely. And so you, you're going to have to refresh my memory on this and refresh everyone's memory. I'm sure I know it's clean to you, but that first event, that first outing in that car, you did pretty good. I don't remember if it was, did you qualify on the pole? No, I actually, I'm not sure. I think I qualified top five, but I actually ended up in second place at the end of that race. That's right. And it was very, very good. And people were like, wow, it was so validating, right? That you knew you were a good driver. You needed a, a better ride. Yeah, and it, it was it was that, and also it was the deal that Lauren made, and the the words that he told me. The car was prepped, and the car was prepped, and the car was ready to race like he would race it. So that was also huge for us. We just got in and drove. <laughs> like I said, it was at least in my mind very validating. I think I know I said that already once, but to really just punch it in there is to see you have the capability, but not have the car, and then to have the keys to the car and get the, those stars to align. Cause so often in many, anything in life, but certainly in off-road motorsports, motorsports in general is aligning a guy who has drive and can drive money and getting them into a car that fits and works for them in a genre that works for them. It is, it's a lot of stars aligning and it doesn't work for a lot of people. I, I know many, many drivers that I've been around that are amazing drivers but would never have never been able to get to the point where they could get into a good car. And I've known a ton of people that have amazing cars, <laughs> but then they yeah. can't drive. So, but, and God bless them too. You know, the, their funds, their, their, the money that they pump into this, uh, this motorsport allows everyone else to race. Yeah. And what I like about those guys, they're still out there having just much fun. I mean, I don't have any racing background. A lot of people think you just hit the gas and the brake. <laughs> There's a lot more to racing than that. And going from a 400 horsepower car to a 750 horsepower car, <laughs> it's a little, it gets you a lot of trouble a lot faster than you think. Yeah, you'll be the first one to the scene of the accident. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, you hit exactly, you drove exactly where I was going was, yeah, man, absolutely. Those guys are having just as much fun and they're having companies like, like Dan Trout prep their car form or build their car form. Dan is a very skilled individual and he's able to make a living by doing that. And man, I think that's a, that in my mind is so amazing. It, it takes all kinds to make this whole thing go forward. And 
I've loved highlighting each and every little piece of that. And this one with you today is, is like I said, is one of my favorites because your story is you're the little guy, but you're just killing it. And you're just, and people can't see this because this is audio, but we're looking at each other on Skype and on the wall behind you is a stack of trophies. There's a row of them. Yeah, those are, those are all from, from the, from the red dragon. I mean, that's, I, I probably won't have them in my house displayed like that forever. I probably should put them in an office or something, but I'm, I'm very, very proud of those trophies right there. I mean, I don't have enough. Like, I love that Shannon can give his trophies away. I want people to see mine. I want, you know, at, at my house where I, where, where people can just walk in and, you know, see part of that. That's, that tells a story also. Oh, they each one represents, you know, thousand hours of prep each and that, all that time in the shop by yourself. I mean, when we were discussing this, this podcast, you were talking about the Lauren podcast that you listened to it. You're like, yeah, I listened to it in the shop while I was working. Yep. Awesome. Hopefully that helped you get through, you know, an hour or so of, uh, of, of work, just, uh, listening and gleaning little tidbits there, but yeah, it's perfect. So 2019 red dragon, you have had a terrible year. Yeah. Terrible. Kick you in the nuts. Yeah. This year has been rough. I mean, the so stampede, we qualified pretty good, ended up uh, blown a tire in the heat race, lost the wheel. So had to go to the, the B main, put us in like 16th for the main that's a little further back there than i would like to be made it up to like right on fourth place with the lap to go and took a bad bounce and broke the transfer case it, it was due to be prepped and it was also a, a little bit of an aggressive move me just just pushing and hit the gas just that little blip too fast and, and just broke that thing and then next race yeah the next race we went to uh mexico and that was i grew up Going to San Felipe as a kid, like we went there every Easter. So I, I know San Felipe, I know the town and my family went, my mom lived in Hawaii. She went down there and we made a vacation out of it also. Was that bad gas got you there? Yeah. So I bought the gas from the same supplier as everyone else. It was a sealed drum. It was not good. It had been sitting around too long or something. And I made it four miles until the car wouldn't just run anymore. That seems to be a tr- this four mile trend. Yeah, I guess or somewhere around there, but I ended up messing with it and messing with it. And, you know, some of the locals tried to come out. We're not allowed to accept help, but, you know, they're, they're still standing there. It's Mexico. They, they want to help. And, you know, he's just throwing info at me, stuff I kind of had already checked, but there was nothing I could do. So I ended up just pulling over and calling it. And then enjoying a little bit of a vacation. Yeah try to salvage it yeah no it, it was great i mean the family time you can't take that away i mean the, the racing's one thing with the family time with you know that's that's good for us too oh i mean you you have to you have to give back i mean it's such a, a yin and the yang i'm sure seasons appreciates that i'm sure sure she's she's due for a vacation for sure this is this is a lot of sacrifice to do to do this i need to take care of her also it's good to have a good woman in your corner. Many people have heard me say this over many episodes at this point, but the value of having a partner in this is just so levitating that how bad 2019 has been for you and the just bad luck after bad luck after bad break after bad break. It's financially depleting and it's mentally and emotionally destroying. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's sacrifices on every level to, to go to the races, like you said, and then it's, it's like, man, what am I doing? You know, I know I can drive. I know I have a good car, but why do I keep braking? Like, I mean, those two really weren't, you know, I don't want to ever have a prep failure 
those are those are hard to deal with. You know, an obvious prep failure that that causes you to be out of a race. Those are really hard to swallow. Oh, I think those are the worst to swallow. <laughs> yeah. You blow another transmission and it's once you tear it down, you realize it's this 10 cent piece that you had no control over. And you're like, that's what that's what destroyed it. You know, it was this little three cent seal that went around some valve. And you're like, yeah, what are you going to do? But it it that, does. That it happens, though. I it mean, absolutely does. It, and you take it on the chin. Yeah. So it is it is depleting. It's but at, at the end of the day, I'm like this. Right. That win right there over the weekend's got me. Got me back looking at what I'm going to do next year now. <laughs> yeah, right. So cloud nine. Gosh, yeah. I mean, again, still so pumped for what you must be feeling right now. I know you've got an article coming out on Race Desert. It might have already came out. Uh, you've got is it Matt and crew over at Driving Line doing an article yeah. on you for, for Nitto. They put out a recap every race, so it's not necessarily on me, but the whole thing. So, I mean, I'll be in there for sure. Yeah, I mean, it helps that you're also, you know, one of their, you know, a, a Nitto branded star. They will definitely give you good focus. I mean, part, yeah, for sure. Plus, they're good. They've been giving really good coverage to, uh, to, to the sport anyway. Yeah, they try to cover everyone. I mean, it is a Nitto publication, but you know, it, it, they're going to recognize you if you're up there for sure. How do you say Matt's last name? Matt. Oh, I have no clue. Matt M. Matt M. Mohogan. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Matt, he's going to hear this and I'm going to be like, Matt Mohogan does. I, I, I get, give my info through uh, Ryan Del Ponte and Shauna. So they're both pretty local and know me well. So they hit me up with some, to get some info for this last article. It comes out probably any day now. Oh, I, I can't wait to see that. I'm circling back to just that Matt for just one second, uh -huh. just because I know he's going to listen to this and kick my I don't know if you've seen his Toyota truck, but he has a Toyota pre-runner. Oh, yeah. How badass is that thing? Yeah, it's cool. And it's at all the events. He's all over the place in that thing. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. I I, I really scoped that truck out you know, a couple of KOHs ago. I was like, man, this is badass. If I lived in California, I'd probably drive something like this. But I'm in Texas, so I I have to have a full-size pre-runner. Yeah, I've seen it, that. It has to be full full gas guzzler. It, yeah, it, it for can't sure. be a sipper. Yeah. So what's... uh. What's next for you as we roll into, I'm going to call it, quote unquote, the Ultra 4 offseason. The clock started for the green flag drop in February for you. What do you have going between now and then as far as being ready? A lot. I mean, we got a, the, the car still running good after this last race. Uh, it actually melted the battery out of it somehow. So like the battery terminal like melted. So it's still sitting on the trailer right now. I mean, we just got it home last night, pulled in, left everything. It's a full yard sale around here, but. I want to pull that car apart and get it ready. Any changes that you're going to make? No major changes. I'm, I need to do some upgrading and, and some internals in the front end. We're still a little bit behind in that, but no major changes. It's stupid to change this car too much. <laughs> Maybe some uh, s some big sponsor stickers on the side. Biggest change, right? That would be that'd be great. I mean, we're still pushing that. Like you said, we're, we're low budget, self-funded, and it's it's hard. I mean, my buddies come over and wrench in the shop for, for beer money and come to the race or, you know, for beer and come to the races and help out just being good dudes. That is the coolest thing about you. And I probably sound like I'm repeating again, but coolest thing about you and your program is the little guy aspect of it that mostly for the most part, it's just you. And, yeah. and the people that, you know, follow, follow ultra four racing, they follow online. They don't necessarily get to follow you in your shop. And they're not there for you for the 
600 hours pre-race of just you and and of those hours you get a hundred or so you get buddies to show up and to help a little bit and then that's even that's even sometimes hard because if you sometimes you have friends that they want to be involved but you don't necessarily want them touching a wrench but then you got to keep them busy yeah i have a hard time asking for help i mean i you know and the, the word shop is loosely i you know i run off craftsman tools i don't have a full setup shop I do have a, a, a head, a something over my head in there, but yeah. And, but it's your house, it's your home garage. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you don't have a, a big building next to it. And I think I saw a funny, it was something of a funny picture from this past weekend. It's a, there's a full race, race toter setup with tent and everything. And then there you are, you're right next to it. Yeah. You know what? That guy, uh, Rick Lavezzo, he actually pulled me in this weekend and said, get in there and get, you know, get to working on your stuff. So he, uh, we, we were in that, trailer or in that tent by the end of the end of the weekend so proof that they're just good people they're just yeah they're just good people out there so yeah. tell me what's the what's the story on you had somebody photoshop uh addington on the side of the gomez brothers trailer oh i i did that this morning because the they were doing an interview and they were all nitto suited up and i roll over there i'm like they go, oh he's one of us he's you know he's one of us get in here cody addington gomez <laughs> Cody Addington Gomez. And then JP's wife put a she she put on there something about Addington Gomez this morning. So I was like, this would be pretty funny. I took a picture of that on the way out the other day, and it was like, here's our new race trailer. Yeah, here's our new race trailer. They don't have any more room though. Yeah, they're they're certainly full up. So you've got you know let's call it three months between now and green flag drop at the Hammers. You're not going to change much. You got any race strategy you want to discuss? Oh man, Hammers is a tough one for me. It's just I've had a lot of failures there. It's uh been a while since I finished that race. The 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 pre-running thing's hard for me. It's just all in general it's a hard race. Strategy-wise, I need to go out there and and pace myself more than I have in the past, just like I did this last weekend and and it worked for us. I'm trying to be a, a smarter driver and and get to that finish line. And you have a car fully capable of finishing. It just doesn't seem to have ever liked the hammers for anybody. No, I think he got, he got seventh the year before I bought it. It's more, I mean, it is based, it's, it was built more as a short course car. And, and that's what I like. I mean, I like the desert too, but I like the, the banging and the, and the grinding stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm uber competitive when it comes to that stuff. Prefer door to door. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cody, I think, uh, congrats on this past weekend. I don't have a, ton more that i wanted to get out of you you kind of answered about all the questions i needed or that at least i had in my head for you i yeah for sure i love your story i mean i've always loved your story ever since you know following you that little bitty toyota truck in the the emc race like who is this guy and you and i talking about connecting the dots because there's so many people that don't realize that that toyota is you yeah and just a just a few years just a few years older a few more dents a few more bangs Oh yeah, it's pretty beat up right now from going out on the trail, but that is something we still seasons and I do enjoy is, you know, you got to keep your roots. You got to, you got to find that balance. Well, badass. What a high you are riding right now. I can't wait to drink beer with you in February in person. We'll knock this out. Cody, Heck yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for grabbing that football from, uh, from those guys in Reno and, uh, you know, grabbing that Pelican case and agreeing to do this. Thank you so yeah. much. I hope, uh, hope, hopefully the people that hear this, they will be inspired by your story of just the sacrifice, the don't say quit, don't say die. 
You know, yeah. just keep on keeping on like no matter what level it's at, you don't need the big, you don't need the big trailer, the big shop, the big, whatever you're like, I'm putting together. I have a race winning program, nationals winning program right here. I do it out of my garage off a flatbed trailer. I sleep on the bed of my, my pickup truck and I'm killing it today. Yeah. I mean that, that is good because you got to have that inspiration for other people. I mean, that makes it just more, more feasible for a lot of people. So that, that makes me feel good. And maybe we'll find some people that hear this story. I'm like, man, nobody's given him money yet. I figured he was a big money guy. Yeah. He yeah, needs some, yeah. he needs some sponsors. You know, we could, uh, how good would his car look, uh, with us? Sp- there's, there's still that, that car was built with a lot of real estate. Cause Lauren does have all those sponsors. So it's got, man, that thing's got 25 panels on it or something crazy. <laughs> it's a billboard. It is a billboard, but it's a, it's a beautiful, fast car. Hey man, Cody, thank you for coming on. Congrats on your win. I'll see you at the hammers. Right on. Thank you, Wyatt. Appreciate it. You made it. Another episode consumed. If you like the listen, please go give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcast and consider writing a quick review either there or over on the Facebook page. Thank you for tuning in to this wild dive into the talent tank. Wyatt, out. Thank you for listening and taking a dive into the talent tank. Please like and subscribe on Instagram at the talent tank or our website, thetalenttank.com.